0: Rising costs and capacity constraints means there's an urgent need to scale beyond traditional models of care. We know that digital models of care can help achieve this, but in parallel, we also need to harness the power of data lakes that sit behind these digital models of care to truly enable scale and have a meaningful impact. Solutions like CardiHub can help healthcare organisations deliver this end goal and truly help them to deliver high quality models of care at scale. In this episode today, I speak to Helen Souris, the CEO of CardiHab, who are delivering innovative solutions that leverage the capabilities of technology and data to improve outcomes for patients and healthcare professionals. In this episode today, we talk about how artificial intelligence can help with cardiac rehabilitation. We talk about the different funding mechanisms like grants that health tech innovators can access. And a lot more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech, let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Join me in Amsterdam from the 17th to the 20th of June for Health Europe the region's most important healthcare event. I'm so pumped I'm going to be there with over 3,500 delegates and speakers from around the world, including a big crew of Aussies as well. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a big week. Make sure you're there to catch me live on stage, capturing insights from speakers and recording interviews for The Beat by Health. So make sure you're there, hunt me down and say g'day or hello or whatever we say in Amsterdam. If you've not got your ticket, there's still time. Use the coupon code and the link in the show notes of this episode for your discounted ticket. Hey, Helen, how are you? I'm
1: really good, Pete. How are you?
0: It's great to have you on the show again. And actually, now I think about it, this is kind of like the the Helen Saurus. Set up. every time I have a call with you. You've got this lovely backdrop with the books, and it's and it's not a virtual background; it's the right background. And it's real. Uh, like I
1: can take any one of those books off and read them, or <laughs> there's Scotch up on the top shelf as well if I need to. So. <laughs> it's, it's, you've got the order of priorities. I love it. I it's love it. it. Yeah, that's it's all
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> those watching on uh, on on the website or on YouTube will be able to see that. If you're listening and along, it, you uh, you'll have to use your imagination. But it has been a while since we've had you on the show, Helen. For those that don't know, you and Cardi Hub just just reintroduce yourself a little bit more.
1: Fantastic. Um, I'm Helen Suris. I'm the CEO for Cardihab. And Cardihab is a company that's trying to help improve access to programs that help uh, patients that have had a heart attack or have had a heart procedure. So we're really trying to offer our digital therapeutic to people who need help recovering from those sorts of events. Uh, We are a company that spun out of Ciro many moons ago. And uh, the digital solution that we have has been adopted across Australia in a number of different types of health settings, so private health insurers, public hospitals, private hospitals, and community care. And we're making great inroads to helping, uh, I guess, achieve our goal of improving access to cardiac rehab.
0: Amazing. And and you've had a, uh, a busy, it, it, it's always always something on and always happening, And and as you've suggested, it's continued to grow. But more recently, too, there's been some, uh great wins what, what's been happening recently with CardiHab?
1: I think one of the things we're most excited about is now that our business has matured we've got a really rich data lake that we've been building and mm. generating through the use of our program and now we're actually at a point organizationally where we can start to bring value and meaning of that data back to our customers so this is a, a really exciting stage where CardiHab now has um been able to look at the data that we've got and start to create an analytics environment where we can provide insight and meaning back to clinicians and business administrators around the use of our platform and how it can help their their services grow. So um, we are leaning into the data. Everyone's talking about getting into data and everyone's excited about what they can do with data. Uh, We're one of them. But uh, I think one of the unique positions that we're in is that we generate our own lake of health data through the use of our programs. And it's how do we harness the data that we generate so that our customers can do more with what they do and treat more patients with their services. Hey, on that point too, because
0: I know the term data lake is actually in the Talking Health Tech glossary on the website. There's a Mm, cheap plug for our own glossary of terms there, which is helpful too because we talk about these things and and I hear, you know, when we talk about the data, it's important to think about the data lake. Is data lake just a fancy way to say data? Or is like what, what do you mean when you say data lake?
1: Yeah, it's just a fancy way in the old days we called it a database, <laughs> it's, the it's more fluid, right? Because there's more stuff right. coming in and yes. out of it. So yes. for us, the data lake is just the composition of all the information that we collect and harness from our patients. That's heart rate data, walking data, medication adherence, um, stress monitoring, mm. everything that we collect is information about our patients and their health journey is captured in our lake. And same goes with the clinician's uh, overview of those patients and how they've managed them through their care program. So we, we capture both care program process data and we capture patient-reported outcomes data and clinical outcomes data, and that's why we came up with this funky little term called CROPS, and CROPS stands for Cardiac Rehab Outcomes and Process Synopsis. Yeah, right. And all that comes from our lake.
0: Got it. It is important to have a, a fancy acronym too. No, but that makes sense. And and you think and I think about the different reasons why you would have that too, in terms of those those points that you raised about making it um, making more information and data accessible to a clinician to make more whether it's informed decisions or or, or or remotely monitor. So that's good from a patient side of things too. But there's there's much more to it in terms of the benefits of, of really leaning into the data side of, of this kind of stuff to, to do more than just have that very real outcome of, of better patient outcomes? Or, or what other benefits come from it all?
1: Well, I think we, we were at um, uh, the Australian Healthcare Week conference a couple of weeks ago, mm. and uh, what was a really hot topic there was there's a lot of data that goes into a health system record, like an EMR, and that's where it stays. It doesn't actually right. come back to a clinician. To help them make a decision about the patient they're seeing in front of them. And that one directional data is, is basically a lost, lost insight. So until we start to get the data that we enter into these electronic systems back in front of the doctor or nurse or allied healthcare care person, we can't do anything with it mm. in the moment that might actually make a difference for the patient's outcomes. So that's a really important enablement thing that we can bring through cardiac, through our Crocs product. So when you actually have someone in front of you and you see their blood pressure readings and you see those spikes and those troughs and you can see that when you're talking to that patient, you can do something about it mm. in the moment of care. Well, when you see that their medication adherence is all over the place or when they've stopped walking, they used to do 5,000 steps a day, now they're down to 1,000. You can have those conversations with the patient actually intervene and see what's going on. And that's what the power of having data visible in clinical decision-making Uh, can can mean for a patient outcome. From a healthcare administrator outcome, from a business decision support kind of outcome, Mm. you can look at, well, we've got 10 nurses available to us and we can manage in a traditional sense, 100 patients. How do we optimize that so we're getting more patients into care and reducing our wait lists? Because we can't just keep adding healthcare professionals. They're not available. It's a scarce resource and already they're overstretched. So you can't just keep adding people to the equation and our healthcare service providers. You actually have to look at how do you improve your systems, how do you improve efficiencies so that you can treat more patients without blowing out your resources. Mm. And so that's another area where process data, the, the process part of crops, helps clinical teams and helps health services plan um, their workforce and their resourcing appropriately. So there's really an important balance between clinical decision support, but also um, clinical workflow operations and, and, and I guess process uh, process planning, which you can get from the data that we're creating and generating through crops.
0: And is that where all the, the hype and excitement comes in around using artificial intelligence to do that process improvement? Is that predominantly what we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, that's part of it. So um, one of the things we see really um, commonly celebrated in that whole AI ML space is processing terabytes of data quickly Mm. um, so that you can make a clinical decision quickly. And and I think that's where we start to see the excitement that we're building with our product too, is that when we have have, um, five key measures, for instance, that actually really drive a clinical outcome, someone's sleep, someone's medication adherence, someone's heart rate and blood pressure, and someone's stress and anxiety. If we're looking at four individual sets of data over time, can a human adequately or efficiently analyze that data to determine how well the patient's going or not? And can we do that better with AI? And that's one of the questions we're answering. Mm. Um, The other thing is of the hundred patients you might have in your health service, which one needs the most urgent attention? Because some of them might all be fine and doing their programs and and doing great things and having great recovery journeys. And some of them need a lot of help. So, how can we actually help bring to the surface those patients who need more help, more urgent care through some of the algorithms that we're building into flagging and spotting those ones who are and who are not doing well? And they're they're both really important elements of um, I guess, optimization for our platform that will enable more people to be cared for and not by simply adding he- heaps of extra headcount in staffing.
0: Yeah. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes, you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach, and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or ten minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. And does this open up, you know, thinking about then... You know what that means, then, and building some of those fundamentals and that capability. I guess it's really then about deciding what's most strategic, re- strategically relevant about what happens next. For example, you know, from a clinician's point of view, there's one thing to be able to look at your own, or even a hospital setting's point of view, like the, your own patient cohort. But then potentially there's there's always opportunities to look at benchmarking or looking at like other other opportunities too, or that it might be looking at. What's relevant, not just within Australia, but in a global context that, that really getting those foundations right in terms of that capability must be um, just the tip of the iceberg for you.
1: Oh, totally is. And, you know, when we started this um, data journey, we really did make sure that we were conscious that we're starting at a certain stage and our vision takes us 20 stages ahead. Mm. So we we do have a, vi- a big vision of where this could go. Anyone who's looking at data at the moment can be thinking about both immediate short-term benefits you could bring from better data analysis and insights. But when you take it to population health, when you take it to um, health channel comparisons, you know, what outcomes should we be resourcing our health systems for? Mm. Um, do we improve and increase the resourcing capabilities in a digital way in general practice? Allied healthcare community services? Um, do we need to create more virtual hospitals? That sort of higher level macro planning should be informed by data and it should be informed by data that delivers an un- understanding of what clinical outcomes can be achieved through those technologies. Um, not just digitizing things for the sake of digitization, it's actually a meaningful um, inf- informant, I guess, of what, what health policy should be and to that point, what should be reimbursed. Hmm. And building all of
0: these capabilities and and uh, you know continuing to to expand it all requires investment, time and effort and, <laughs> and yeah. funds.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, that's that's always finding that that fine balance, particularly in those. I was going to say early stages, not early for kind of, I guess in the in the in the, in the broad scheme of things, relatively early still from your, your side. Like, how's um, I, I guess there's different mechanisms for organisations to be able to access funding to be able to do these things.
1: Yeah, look I think capital to deliver vision is so hard to get in Australia. It really is. And um initially when we thought what we needed to do to in order to keep us going with this data vision, um we did try to sort of get capital from usual um channels here in Australia. And it just wasn't there. It wasn't enough and it wasn't, um, I guess, investors aren't necessarily clear on what the data journey could be for an organisation like us. So we really had to look quite critically at where could we get funding to actually help us keep this vision going and actually deliver this product that our customers have said they wanted. So that's why we applied for the Accelerating commercialization Grant. Um, it's a really amazing um, opportunity to put forward an idea that needs support and funding, and um, has to be novel. It has to be important. It has to be something customers want, and that's why it's called accelerating commercialization. But we certainly could not have progressed on our d- data journey without that funding. It, it's um, a grant that we uh, felt was quite an amazingly complex procedure to get. <laughs> but I was going to ask you about here. the pre- yeah, 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 yeah. It's long. It's mm. complex. It's incredibly thorough. It's not just given out lightly, right? So there is a lot of lot of governance around it, which is really important. Yeah. But um, the process is as, as important for us organizationally as it was to get the money mm. because it does help you really sharpen and refine what your product uh, will deliver and how you articulate that so that people can understand that idea and actually see the mission forward with you. So um, we are uh, incredibly thankful. We couldn't have done it without it. Um, and this is again just the beginning of our journey. But um, as the name sort of implies, accelerating commercialisation means you're beyond just a concept of an idea of maybe. You know, we've got some real backing behind this concept. We've got some real demand in the market, and we've certainly got a lot of evidence that this is the future. And it's a core requirement of anyone doing a digital therapeutic or anyone that's in this space needs to have the ability to action the data. Yeah, uh, and that's why it's so important for us to have had this initial uh, funding. And we're going to make the most of it as we go through this first stage.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess on that point of making the most of it, you know, it, a lot of this this game of, um, you know, creating solutions that have a meaningful impact in healthcare, particularly if they're novel or innovative, they, it's difficult getting that that initial kind of buy-in, at, you know, en masse. Uh, so it, it requires those those first believers, whether it's from a funding side. But importantly in healthcare from the adoption side, and then th- those give confidence to others to to do that too. So I would imagine that, you know, all these all these things like, you know, the the uh accelerating commercialization grants, the 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 delivering on, you know, parts of this vision, hopefully that gives confidence to more to see the more health systems, to see the the power and the potential around the, the the space of digital therapeutics, but in particular yeah. from from Macadi Hub side to adopt and, and grow with you too.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where we have a, a real um, responsibility now too is that we've assembled some incredible partnerships around us to help us deliver this program of work. Um, we have uh, really, I guess, a novel data lake that no one else has um, and we have a responsibility to use that with the right focus and the right purpose um, and not for our own gain but for the benefit of our customers and our patients. So it's really important that we are responsibly um, applying our our approach in this project to deliver back to the people who who, who would benefit from it yeah. um but we we do have uh also the the same challenges everyone else is in this data space is they want to do more let's yeah. just do the small stuff let's do it well and let's progress in a considered and governed way so that we're not racing off to do all this cool AI and ML and stuff that everyone wants to do immediately without really setting up the right frameworks and structures and governance in place. Um, it's really critical that we appreciate the um, the sentiment around data protection and governance and, and the standards and all of the frameworks that need to be in place to make sure data is used appropriately. And that's why we really also want to make sure that whatever we're producing within this product sits very firmly within that expectation mm. and within our consent and within our customers' um, desires for, for how they would use the data from the, the way that they've generated their product, uh, um, their program, sorry, with our, with our product. So it's there's a lot of things to think through. There's a big responsibility to do it in a considered way uh, and, and an ethical way and a compliant way.
0: Yeah. And to that point too, around, you know, the, the, the responsible and considered ethical use of, of data and what you're trying to achieve, you know, it, it, you can... Hear of stories of organisations that that lost their way with all good intentions, but under extreme pressure to deliver on outcomes and expectations that were tied to funding. And you know, we've seen some great outcomes from from VC backed health tech. I'm, I'm not against that as a as as a thing, but at least from your side, as a, as a founder in an organisation that can you know, have the 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 right considered approach towards uh, the use of data in healthcare and, and have a meaningful impact and 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 um, uh, have like get to that next stage where you know you can then raise the next to do even more I guess that's the thing but it's it's about getting through those stages and doing that and building that trust along the way it's um, uh, healthcare moves at the speed of trust was a quote that I heard someone say and uh, that's I, a good I'll one have I to like that. have
1: to yeah. Yeah. so I think that comes back to the reinforcement of what our purpose is as Cardiab So our purpose statement is to provide patients with the care that they need in ways that work for them. And if we are truly centric to that purpose, then as long as what we're doing with the data enables that to happen, then we are solid with our, I guess, alignment on ethics, values and um, governance around the data. Because the patient in front of the the clinician is the one who will benefit from all of the work that we do in clinical care plan design in the use of data and the use of analytics. So as long as we and our customers are aligned on that objective, then we have a really great chance of making that difference and and delivering on our purpose um, in the right way. And I use the word right a bit provocatively, but um, right as in compliant, aligned with legislation, governance principles, uh, and not for a rapid commercial gain at the expense of all else. Sure. Absolutely, might be not something that our investors want to hear, but um, I think ethical investors, which we have in our pool, are really excited by that that um, that goal and that alignment with our values of of um, doing the the right thing. Yeah,
0: absolutely, wise words.
1: Um, you know, thinking then
0: about uh, talked a bit about the, the the vision and the future for Cardi Hub, which is really exciting. But to you know, one of the the, the benefits of, of doing this podcast, there is always a, a you know those that that um, you know want to reach out help along the the journey or, or or learn more too and no doubt there's been plenty of health tech vendors thinking about alternative methods of funding or or the ethical use of data they've got some benefit from this conversation but in terms of cardi right now where you're sitting uh, for those thinking of reaching out whether it's to you or people in the team uh, who, who would you most like to hear from right now and 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 what what's immediately on your radar
1: I think from our perspective, our, our focus this year is to really get as many patients treated with our product as we can to actually deliver on our goal around improving access to care, uh, but also hospitals or health services that value that data piece mm. to to reach out and have a chat on how we can help them. What we're finding is that with any early, um, early adopters of digital therapeutics, there needs to be a, an organisational alignment and a desire to move forward for you to be able to have an impact. And if you don't have that organisational alignment or you, if you haven't yet as an organisation worked out what value you place on on health data and on digital therapeutics as, as a transformative piece to your health system, then um, it's very hard to change that Yeah, as you try to introduce a new solution. So we'd welcome anyone who's already made a bit of that transitional journey, who understands what a digital therapeutic is and what it can mean for their workflow. And who have an appreciation of the data to to reach out because we are um in our current um customer pool we're actually working with some of our customers now on this data product and they're actually starting to see amazing efficiencies and growth opportunities um just by tapping into this early stages of the uh, um the crops data that we're we're collating so we'd love to hear from people who have that maturity and, and appreciation in, uh, in their organizations for the value of digital therapeutics. Um, we also welcome anyone who uh, is passionate about seeing a change in the adoption of digital health uh, solutions in Australia because that's part of our our sort of our um, alternate, I guess, or parallel ambition is to really see that digital therapeutics are not seen as an app. Yes. They're not just something that you add to your clinical workflow. It's actually something yep. that needs to be designed in and Uh, We are very passionate about that because we've seen incredible examples of when it's done well, of what a difference you can make. And if everyone um, that's listening to this has any um, contributions they want to make, we're happy to contribute as well. It's really important that five years from now we look back at this moment and think how did we ever live without a digital therapeutic Mm. cornerstone into the workflow, not seen as an extra app that sits on the side so important thank you Helen look it's It's great to be able to connect and
0: see where where things are at now, and I love your perspective on all of those things, particularly around the the adoption of, of digital therapeutics and where it sits within that that workflow. We'll put the details for for Cardi Hab and yourself in the show notes of this episode for people to check out and and obviously you've got the the listing on the talking Health Tech website for people to learn more about the organization too. Always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll chat at the next thing, whether it's the Medical Software Industry Association or whether it's the THT Plus community and somewhere around the traps or at events. But Helen, always great to chat. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Pete. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact... If you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.